Pushkin. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A., member FDIC. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome to the show. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fragoso, and thank you for being here. This week on the podcast, we have writer, actress, and comedian Kate Berlant. Born in Los Angeles, 1987, Berlant is one of the more emerging comedic forces working in Hollywood today. Just last year, she contributed bit parts and voice work to shows like Transparent, Comedy Bang Bang, Search Party, BoJack Horseman, Animals, the list literally goes on. The point is, she's in high demand right now. This is in part because her strain of comedy is something both familiar and completely out of left field. She manages to pull off a kind of straight-faced silliness in her act. Incredible self-awareness blended with impactful physical comedy. The New York Times has compared Blant's work to folks like Tignataro, Reggie Watts, and Andy Kaufman. Whip-smart artists who cleverly upend expectations of what a comic should look and sound like. A write-up in Jezebel called Berlant's style surreal and stream-of-conscious. She takes the stage with the loop and manic confidence of a motivational speaker. These pieces aren't wrong. Berlant's confidence is most notably on display during her appearances at The Meltdown and her episode on the Netflix original program, Characters. A common target throughout Berlant's comedy is Hollywood at large. The fame, the desperation, the absurdities. She certainly sticks to what she knows in 555, a Vimeo original miniseries done with her longtime creative partner, John Early. In the five-episode show, the pair play an assortment of Los Angeles types, overly excited acting students, a pop singer and his acolyte, 
megalomaniacal agent. The tagline for the show, when your dreams won't return your calls. There's a lot to unpack in Berlant's work, which is something we try to do in the conversation you're about to hear. I sat down with Berlant before President Trump's inauguration. Listening back, even here, we were in search of some sort of calmness, a way to inhabit a world that seems, to me, and perhaps to you, so foreign right now. Aside from the general political unrest, we discuss her creative mindset going into 2017, her early days of performing in New York City, and why she refrains from taking life too serious. So, finally, here is Kate Berlant. So, hi. Hi. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. How are you feeling about this year? I'm in a dark place right now. Okay. Um, you caught me in a bad mood moment just because of obviously we're days away from the inauguration. You seem a little angry. Of a demagogue. Yeah. No, I'm, I feel it's really not you. I'm just very, um, oh, it's just hell. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think art's useless. I think everyone's worshiping. Uh, creativity, and that's not going to get us anywhere, blah, blah, I won't get into it, but I satire's dead, helpless mm. God kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you been watching SNL? No. It's not working. There are a lot of people on SNL who I think are true geniuses. Oh, yeah, certainly. Um, no, it's and no so, denying that. And they're like some of the most exciting like writers who are now there, and I, um, but I mean... I don't watch it, not in any kind of like a, I don't watch it. Right, right, right. Um, superiority. I just, I don't have TV, and I'm, that's the excuse that everyone uses, but no one has TV anymore. But um, no, I've seen a couple, Julio Torres's sketches are so genius, so I've seen a couple of those online when everyone's posting them. But Right. Um, but yeah, I think self-expression is not the answer, and that's what we've learned. So does that make you feel like you don't have like clear purpose? Uh, no, I just think it's time to completely separate. If you're a creative person, it's, I think a fantasy for most people who are making work to think that somehow they're going to be, um, combating Trump or helping people through their art. I think most likely you're going to have to change your life and like talk to people you've never talked to before and restructure your priorities to help. Exactly what Brett said, by the way. Oh really? (laughs) He said the same thing is that you have to talk to people that you're not, normally comfortable talking to no and so that's why like yeah today you caught me on an off day just because obviously it's like oh i'm gonna stop making stuff and i'm gonna stop doing comedy of course not yeah but i just think in my youth in my early 20s (laughs) not in my late 20s i had the fantasy of when does youth end by the way in this um like 58 (laughs) yeah okay but um yeah, no, I just had more... And by the way, I do believe, of course, in like subversive art, and I'm not trying to say, like, stop making art. It's useless. But at the same point, it is just... This year in general has been a wake-up call and realizing that the elite, like, fucked us and that no one, um, like, you know, everyone, it's just... Um, it's mm. Yeah, and I don't... I'm muttering because I don't have the language yet to talk about it, but... Right. So the origin, you don't remember this, but I is what I wrote in the email. Is like, we met the election night, 
At Cine Family, yeah. the worst night yeah. of my life. You were out. You were, I don't even remember meeting you because yeah. I was so out of it. Well, it was like a five minute talk and it was just us. But you were crazy depressed. We all, That's we all, scary that I even spoke to you because I'm not you, kidding. Well, you look a little dead inside, honestly, yeah. at the moment. And rightly so because you were there to like make people laugh. And we were like, man. To I, recap, John Early and myself were um, taking over Doug Benson's interruption on election night. So we're... John's dressed as Hillary Clinton. I'm, of course, Huma. Cola Scola is dressed as Jill Stein. We get there so euphoric, just like this is over. Everyone was so happy. Yeah, I was so sure that, he, that Hillary was going to win, that we were never going to have to see Trump anymore. Um, Molly Shannon got there at the beginning of the night. Were you there for that? She was, yeah, no, she was doing high kicks and doing like full-blown superstar. It was already going a little downhill at that point. And then she came and we were like... All right, we yes. got Molly Shannon on her side. Yeah. It's and gonna go well. I've never felt more naive in my life the way I treat. I mean, I'm completely part of the problem. I made like fake Trump hats. I was like, "What's another fake Trump hat gonna hurt?" Like, ha. I remember that. I'm just yeah. so clever. It's like I I really thought he was a joke. I thought I thought he was very dangerous and hideous, and the people that he was, you know, mobilizing was it was horrifying. But I just was sure it couldn't happen. Mm. Uh, part of me didn't believe in democracy or part of me really thought like, oh, well, someone will just push it off the table. Like even if he's winning and someone will just be like, okay, we're just gonna, oh, there we go. <laughs> like I thought it was not possible. Yeah, it would be nice if we had like a reset button. Yeah. And even though, of course, like he's not a legitimate president, I do think it's, um, yeah, it just was, I've just never felt more naive yeah. in my life. Well, I was, what we were talking about was that you... As a performer that night, you were like mortified. Oh, yeah. Which is, you, you were in a no-win situation there. Mm-mm. And I mean, yeah. We, and I was in such deep denial that even like Cole was showing me on his phone the analytics from the New York Times that were like projecting, oh, he has a 97% chance of winning. And even at that moment, I was like, no. I, I truly did not believe it until probably the next morning. mm and seeing her have to come on, Hillary Clinton have to take the stage with a huge grin on her face. Mm. It was just so nauseating. I just Are yeah. you coming more to terms with it now? Um, well, I think in the way that everyone is, which is just like coming to terms with it because it is reality and it is happening. I still, I still until recently thought he wouldn't be inaugurated. I was like, well, this, why can't that be delayed if he's under investigation and if we haven't assessed, you know, his conflicts of interest and everything it seemed it's so strange to me like why is that date just settled beyond all more yeah like why does it have to be the 20th <laughs> uh, it's just been but yeah. then again there's he's broken every precedent yeah coming delay up this. the inauguration i even at the very least just delay it i just don't understand i don't mean to focus on this point and we can talk about something other than yeah sh- but, sure, but sure of course i'm still a little baffled by like it's, we don't have his taxes and I know it's, I like, it's not like a semantics argument. Since 19, I think it was 67, every person has given this to us. Of course. And given what, you know, we see this stuff about like potential ties in Russia, it's like, how are we not demanding this? Like I, if, I'll put it this way. If he showed them to us and there were no ties, I'd be like, okay, fine. I'm, right. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you, despite all the hatred you've spewed, day one, I'm going to give you a clean slate. Mm-hmm. And if he fucks up again, then I'm going to feel... 
No, he's bypassed just everything. The rules don't apply to him, and it's a very dangerous thing to have set up so early. So it means that he will, you know, get away with anything at this point. Do you think? Do you think there's no limit? Uh, no, I really don't, because I don't think that, you know, as everyone's been saying, every day there was something where I was like, well, this will end him. He's talking about how he like loves to sexually assault women, and he's bragging about it, like this will end him. Mocking, you know, a disabled person. This one, it was just was, it was so. I thought just, that one was going. Yeah, through. no. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh, great, it's over." Yeah, it's over. You know why? This is the most fucked up thing. But I thought there's some of America that's like mm, the women thing. They're not gonna care. Oh, no one cares. But I thought disabled. There's right, like, it's right, or the taxes thing. I mean, or or just the way he was praising. Putin or even Saddam but I Hussein. I feel so terrible just saying that. That that, that I I deep, Oh, it I doesn't get, surprise me at but all. I get, but so you had that thought of like, oh, I guess there are some people who just don't give a shit about. I knew deeply that no one gives a shit about sexually assaulting women, but I thought I, that it would just no be one. a bad look. That, 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 no, no, one, no but in general, right, no one. Okay. I mean, you can kind of make that generalization and say no one cares. So no one cares about women. That I know, but I thought it's just too much of a bad look. You know, he just won't get elected even if people are like, well, what are you going to do? I thought he still wouldn't be elected because of that. But now it's just like, who knows? Yeah, I don't know what he could do. I mean, in his own words, what was his quote where he was like, I could walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot someone like it's. Yeah. And it's really true. I I don't know what it would be because, um, you know, amplifying white supremacy and doing all it's I, I don't know what it's going to be he would have to this is very dark and morbid but he would have to on video shoot a white person right right mm, a white guy so. yeah yeah i don't preferably um, a white straight guy yeah i don't know it's going to be it's going to we'll have to see what happens with all this how are you where's the balance or like you juggling how you operate with i mean you have a lot of stuff going on right now it's never enough, Sam. It's never enough. Um, no, it's fine. And by the way, I truly like have a joke right now where I'm talking about like how it's affecting me the most, and like it's Let's like hear the joke. I truly. Well, no, that's it. It's just really because I am so so protected. Yeah. I can if abortion. I can I can afford to if I need to fly somewhere and get an abortion. This is a nice place. Yeah, yeah. This is a great place to pay less, a lot less than you'd think. But um, <laughs> I rent, to be clear to everyone listening. I'm renting. But, That's the first thing. When I pulled up, I'm like, is she? Oh, this? I'm really? renting. Good. We're get, renting. Get that but, Vimeo money. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, it's a deep rental. But uh, <laughs> what was your question? How am I? So, I mean, I'm last night I had a really fun dinner. It was all laughs. You know, it's like, of course, I'm able to completely retreat into... Um, the life I've known yeah. and the overwhelming privilege that I've experienced. Maybe my question is more not when you're with friends or yeah. like in these conversations, but more when you're by yourself. But I'm always with friends because I'm online. So the Twitter is always there. So I've actually have never had to even for a moment suspend myself in an echo and just kind of a, What's that a like? void. Uh, it's hell. <laughs> I'd say my phone grafted to my hand is hell. Hell is other people. Yeah, yeah, it's just very, um, it's very alarming. I think that is the phone I don't supportive? apparently. I, what was that? Is the phone supportive of you? Yeah, if this were a bottle of gin, mm. I'd uh, be in rehab. But it's a phone, so <laughs> it's fine. But I, yeah, I feel I, like the bottle of gin is more fun though. Yeah, I know. Who knows where ideas come from? Because they don't come from phones. So I'm <laughs> screwed. Can't wait to see the non-work that I create. 
But uh, I don't believe there's any shred of a silver lining to Trump's rise to power. I don't think that it's this thing of like, oh, well, it's mobilizing activists. That's absolutely true. And I really and that is an exciting element. I myself and a lot of people I know have done more in the last month than they have in their entire lives. So so isn't that a silver lining? Yeah, I still don't think it's a silver lining, but I think it's 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 not enough. You're, you're it's thinking. yeah. There's I don't believe in a silver lining with it, but sorry, my dog is in the room. Feel free to. That's okay. Um, Pepper's licking my hand. That's, yeah, yeah, she's I, sweet. Just don't don't do that. Okay, this is fun because it gives a texture of authenticity mm-hmm. to the to the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me ask you about that. Yeah, you, you're someone who's always doing stuff that's like pretty meta. It mm-hmm. feels like. Do you hate that term? No. Okay. Well, there's like a self awareness to it especially is that a fair characterization yeah i mean i think it's. i don't want to give you terms you don't believe you could in. say my work is about work mm-hmm. my performance is about performance mm-hmm. um that's a good hair flip yeah thank you that's what i do when i'm speaking about um things that shouldn't be spoken about but <laughs> no but i uh yeah yeah sure i mean i i hear you i'm not offended by that at all so do you do you, where does that come from like that need because you're not you're not someone I, and I asked them not in like a, what are you inspired by but more you're not a joke heavy person you're not like a Seinfeldian mm-hmm. like someone who writes their or Kevin Hart who writes his jokes out in like paragraph form I'm assuming I could be wrong but it is where is that I guess desire to always be self aware or meta or like self referential come from uh, I think that just happened it just kind of was like what started what I just started falling into it's like what worked stage. right away yeah or I think well because when I started doing stand-up it was all very written like hyper written one-liners actually a oh, lot really? of the time yeah and there'd be no setup it would just be punch 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 yeah <laughs> pretty much like super written out one-liners and then I started improvising like monologues on stage that kind of just didn't make sense and then that was kind of fun. And that kind of just led me toward, yeah, I think like my sense of humor since I was little or something is about, yeah, kind of just like about behavior and like how embarrassing it is to behave. Um, you felt uncomfortable? Or just, uh, you know, just like everyday performance. You started like, putting on a smile, right? When I, oh, really? Like, yeah, you're just like. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? About, I've already lost about, myself. About, about behavior. Oh yeah, just but you were interrogating your own behavior at like a young age. Um, you could say that. I don't know. I mean, I, not to make myself sound too precocious. You can be precocious, but um, you were an only child, weren't you? Yeah, still am. Yeah, a lot of time alone, a lot of time filming myself, talking. Very fun. Do you think you were like a lonely kid? I don't know. I mean, probably, but I did. <laughs> Uh, I mean, sure, because I was a lot of times not around kids because my parents, none of their friends had kids. So I was around adults most of the time or all the time. So that definitely, I've only recently kind of been like, oh yeah, that definitely affected me just because I wanted to be taken seriously and I wanted to sound like I knew what I was talking about. Right. Were you, yeah, I mean, like that must be strange to like, yeah. always be around adults yeah. as a kid. And I didn't, and I liked being around adults. I liked... They gave you attention, didn't they? They did, and I was lucky because they didn't treat me like a kid. Right. They didn't expect... They expected of me, like, to be interesting or to hold a conversation. Mm. So, I... Yeah, so that, I think, affected... I, like, kind of, like, wanted to talk. 
about things maybe I didn't understand. Mm. So you were interesting at a young age? Fascinating. <laughs> no, I was a fool, of course, but... When did that end? Um, being a fool? Oh, never. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how... Um, I mean, hopefully I'll change what I do. Like, hopefully I'll keep changing. Do you think you've changed in the last, like, three years? I hope so. I mean, changing, I hope I'm getting better. Better. Dear God, yeah. 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 I believe that. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that's nice about stand-up is that it can feel, even if it's not real, like you're getting better because you have to keep... Um, having a great show. You mm. can't be like two years ago, that one night, uh, just chasing that. You know, <laughs> you have to keep um, doing well or else you'll just never want to do it again. Were your parents skeptical when you were like, hey, I'm going to do comedy? No, I'm very spoiled and fortunate in that way. My dad's an artist. And so it was kind of, um, it's, it's comedy in some ways is so connected to that in the way that you're just always working on it and you never finish or you're never satisfied or you have to work at it a lot mm. so and what about um, your mom um she did set design and also was a perf- did performance in the 70s ah yeah so when you were in new york they were like yeah just keep yeah they both that my dad had lived my dad's from new york originally and had lived there and it just sort of made sense to them and even though i think it was always and still remains kind of mysterious to them like oh comedy or performance and i don't like them to come to my shows i do let them come sometimes but Uh pretty rarely why is that it's uh i don't know it's weird because i'm i'm close with my parents and i do feel yeah really lucky that they you know they don't think i'm insane but I think it's just like too much. I think because I am close with them, it's like over. It's just like too intimate or something. I think also there's a natural thing in anyone where you don't want your you don't want to talk to your parents about like. I mean, yeah, it's the classic childish like, oh, mom, like stop, like that's not what I'm trying to do or something. (laughs) Just like that kind of. I regress very easily. Do you have a fear like she's going to start yelling mid-show? Be like, oh, guess that was funny. Oh my god, Kate, Um, you did that was a good joke. No, luckily. But, but, but I'm always happy that I do let them, like when I, when I have them come, it's always really nice and they're never weird about it. I always appreciate when my parents are supportive, but I'm always like you a little reluctant, especially because I know like they listen to this podcast and I've said stuff they're like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have told them. Right. Otherwise. Well, it's a weird time when you can have, like my parent, my dad doesn't have a cell phone. Like he's completely offline a hundred percent, but my mom has. She doesn't have Facebook or anything, but she's like, there is that weird feeling of being able to be monitored and mm-hmm. having like family or people hear you say things that you wouldn't want them. Which is why to we hear. left home in the first place. Right, exactly. So, does she follow your Twitter? She, I think she does. She's calling me right now. I think she does, but she would never know how to access it. Or one time I was tweeting about. What did I say? I like tweeted like Trump died or something and then was talking and then she she texted me like in the middle of the night like I just saw your Twitter. Please don't tweet about Trump dying or I t- like, you know, who knows what's going to happen. They could round you up, you know. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So I, both my parents definitely my dad particularly has a lot of anxiety of about the Trump stuff. I mean, he's like a 75 year old Jew. So he feels very like mm. seen this before. Mm. Is that his approach? Yeah, he's really freaked out in a way that I appreciate because I'm like, oh, right. It is so different for you. 
It's historical context. Yeah, like he has a kind of anxiety about this that I just don't have because I'm, I'm so um, yeah, I'm just naive to that. Yeah, the type of anxiety that we only know through like watching. Yeah. A film. Or, right. Or He's actually show. scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good, but you seem like you were hesitant, or rather, like not excited about the fact that your parents were supportive. Or maybe did you you feel guilty about it? Um, maybe I only feel guilty because it it's um. It's a good thing, right? It's definitely a good thing. I think there's inherently just some shame about it. Like it's so it's embarrassing to have your parents like support you, like or you know like like the romanticism of like fuck you mom, fuck you dad. I'm going to play bass in a band or something. So you're saying things, if, if things are more difficult, it's more normal. Um, well, I don't know. I, do, I just think that you don't get as good of a story if your parents um, think it's cool that you're a comedian. And you want a story. Don't we all? No, but it's fine. I, I really, I love my parents and I'm very, like, it's cool to be able to talk to them about Maybe we do that maybe we do i i I haven't i actually haven't thought about that i haven't interrogated that too much Hmm. but maybe that's true maybe we'd be like there's a part of us that would like to have something we could pivot to right right but then like that's such a bullshit thing for us because i feel like we're both seem like we had nice supportive childhoods right right your parents are still together right yeah that's nice that's what about good. yours? No, no. I have that. Lo siento. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I used to, when I was younger, I used to pretend my parents were divorced because all my friends' parents were divorced, every like every single last one of them. <laughs> so I was really caught up in, the, in like, again, the romanticism or what I saw as romantic of like bringing your duffel bag to school. Like, oh <laughs> God, I have to go to my dad's for the weekend. Like my dad's girlfriend's driving me crazy. Like all of that stuff to me was so exotic and cool. So a couple times I just sort of tried it on and was like, yeah, like my mom's like, I have to go to my mom's house this week. Or like I left my favorite boots at my dad's house. Like just, it was so cool to me or like having kind of normal parents. Like I always <laughs> thought growing up, my dad didn't have a job cause he worked at home mm. and he wasn't like a hyper masculine you know, we never like sports weren't a thing at all or no. anything like that. We didn't do like normal family stuff. So I always, um, yeah, kind of longed for like a family where we had like a dog and a Ford Explorer. That was my idea of happiness. Weren't your friends confused when you said that? Like, um, Hey, I will, well, I wouldn't say the divorce stuff to my friends. I'd say it to people that didn't know me well. Oh. So I could actually think that I, my parents were divorced. That's, uh, bizarre. Yeah. I lied about having an older brother. I lied a lot when I was little. What, any reason for that? Um, I think just, again, like this, just wanting to have fun and wanting to pretend never malicious lies, but yeah, yeah, I, I like told, you seem like a good person. I can't say <laughs> maliciously. Lying. I, yeah, the line, no, never malicious just for, just for fun. But, um, yeah, I did tell one of my best friends when I first met her that I had an older brother, which again is innocuous. It's like, yeah. Okay. And it's then just an odd line. Yeah. Just, and then she came over and was like, Oh, where's your brother? And I was like, I don't have a brother. And she, and then I got, oh, yeah, I lied about that. So there was a phase when I was younger where I definitely would lie a lot. Was she still your friend after that? Yeah, we're still friends. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's an odd impulse, though, to lie. I know. Is it still current now? Mm, yeah, maybe a little bit. I lied to a Lyft driver recently. I mean, sometimes it's fun just to like be like, oh, yeah, no, I uh, sell, like, you know, what do you do? And it's like, obviously... You just make something you up. Sell, you, yeah, you sell. Yeah, I sell diapers. Cuddler. Yeah, yeah, I sell plates. Mm. 
You told that to a Lyft driver? No, I, I did once say that I was a teacher. I think because I always like wanted to be a teacher. Mm. On or I think that if I weren't in comedy or anything, I probably would be teaching. Yeah, because that's also like a fo- form of performance, and you have a captive audience, and you can seduce them into listening to you. And you want to be listened to. Uh, yes. <laughs> I think there's a there's a different reason for that though. The but, lying. Yeah. Well, rather um, with the Lyft driver, or maybe lies now. Mm-hmm. Those are fairly innocuous. They mean nothing at all. Right. But I feel like that's you not wanting to talk about yourself. Right. Isn't that what you're really trying to do? It could be that. Don't mean to like psychoanalyze, but No, no, but that makes sense because also They're probably a asking lot of times, you, what do you do? Right. And a lot of times in my stand up I don't talk about myself. Or most of the time I don't talk about myself per se. Mm. Although I've been doing that a little bit more and it's really fun. It's really nice to do that. On in stand up. Yeah. To talk about yourself? Mm-hmm. Why is it more fun now? Just Or yeah, I think uh or it's just like trying different i think that i'm realizing that a lot of my stand-up or something people think it's a character which is fine i mean it's obviously persona or something but i think there's this confusion about like where i am and it's like no this is still me or something there's definite confusion yeah yeah and like i like that like of course yeah as someone who has seen (laughs) the the characters uh, thing on netflix Mm -hmm. uh 555 other stuff I don't, I have no idea. No idea what? Like, I don't, who, I don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah. Great. I don't know what, I don't know what the hell's going on. That sounds really cool, but it's not as marketable as you might think it is. Mm. (laughs) You mean anonymity is not marketable? Yeah, yeah. Wait, you mean the fact that I'm untraceable? (laughs) So, uh, you go. Doesn't get me hired? You go to a business meeting. So, okay, we want you to do this show. Mm -hmm. What do they say? Well, I have literally had people be like, we think you're so funny. We just don't like, don't know. Like what, what are you, who are you? What are you? It's just like strange. Even though I feel like I have like, sometimes I'm, I'm embarrassingly one noted or I'm like, I can't believe I'm still doing this like same shit sometimes. Mm. What's the one note? I mean, I think everyone probably feels at some point when they're make when they've been working. Yeah. Like when they've been doing something. When you feel, when you feel, I, I feel like when I do one thing, even like this show i've done it enough already it's like sometimes it feels one note in mm-hmm. nature and then i'm like oh fuck am i like only good at doing this one note do i only have one note right right right. well repetition breeds difference mm. inevitably so there is something in, in doing things over and over again it breeds indifference or difference difference like oh, it changes okay. yeah <laughs> oh yeah I was, indifference I was it could breed that but I was, I was like wow that's fucking gloomy yeah no, no 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 i think it you know you change without noticing it have you had problems selling yourself in those meetings? I don't know. I think it's fine. I'm not saying it's not fine. No, I know. But I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I don't know. I just generally don't know. It's just part of this industry, though. It's like you yeah. have to, I don't know. You have to, you have to have some brand or like, it seems exhausting to me. Yeah. Well, Yeah. <laughs> you seem exhausted by this comment no no i just don't have anything to add to mm. to it uh, do you feel like things are going well for you yeah no i'm very i'm like happy um i get to perform a lot and you know working on making things that i mm. want to make oh we were talking about identity that's what it was mm-hmm. so you think or rather people can't tell like they don't have a good impression of you or they think it is you on stage but then they don't know yeah, I guess so. I mean, I 
I don't, it's, I'm only very recently coming to that question of like, oh, like, I also think it's like, it's almost embarrassing. Like I'm talking of myself so highly, like people just don't understand how to categorize me because I'm so crazy and a never before seen (laughs) act. It's like not at all what I'm suggesting, but I do think particularly when you're a woman, there's just very clear categories. And if you're, are kind of in maybe different categories or something. It's not appealing. Mm. I my, mean, we know that. My take on your act is that there's a the the through line of all of it is that the end of the show five by five. There's a huge reluctance of taking anything serious. Mm-hmm. Great, yeah, it should be. I mean, I think I hope that I am like I want to be and I am silly, mm. and I would be really. Um, sad if somehow I didn't, yeah. if that was gone or people were like, yeah. But then there's a strange cognitive dissonance because it's like, then you do have that act where like, you know, like it's like a TED talk type mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. or you there's like a New Yorker magazine right here. Like there's like an erudite sophisticated. So it's, it's hard, yeah, it's hard yeah. to reconcile with it. But I think that's like, you probably are doing something right if I'm like working through it right now. Great. <laughs> what do you think though um no that sounds good i'll take that you'll take that yeah okay but do you think that's also part of your personality as well what exactly like the part silliness re- re- reluctance to take something serious yeah but then also part of that's like truly engaged yeah of course i mean that's what's embarrassing about making anything is that or like in comedy is that it's it's silly it should be funny it should be you know, it's disgusting when you sense someone taking themselves seriously in mm. all forms or not all forms, but particularly if you're yeah, a, stand-up. a comedian, my God. And now we're, we are definitely culturally as standups become so like pervasive or comedy is just everywhere. You do have this emergence of like the serious comedian mm. and there's something deeply to use the word again, repulsive to me about that. But at the same time you should, obviously I'm a com- Of course I, care deeply about what I'm doing and I worry about it and I want to do something good and I want to, so, I mean, but you, you have to reconcile. Who's the deeply serious comedian? Oh, I mean, I I mean, even just the emergence of like comedians doing podcasts or this thing or shows that are like about comedians, but like, then they're showing you their, their lives and you know how hard it is or something. You, you've pushed back against that. Yeah. I, I shoot me if I'm ever, doing that you know the one thing i'll say as someone who does a podcast yeah and i started doing journalism before i did the podcast is that most of those shows with comedians that i really like yeah totally I really like these are them. people that by the way i like love and some of them are like <laughs> i've become friends and i like them but i i listen to it and i'm like you don't know how to like actually interview people or listen to someone i don't mean to think i'm some fucking authority on it but i find that they're they end up just kind of doing their act Mm-hmm. In podcast form, yeah, sure. I don't know what to make of, but people like that, don't they? People like the comedian. Like, there's so many comedians, but I'm surprised you don't have one. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, someone's asked you to do one. Kind of, yeah, but I'm so disorganized, and yeah. <laughs> Is that the truth? Oh yeah, I'm like I've always been so disorganized. Do you not like any of those shows? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. And that's the thing when I say that I'm not, I'm being, again, as I established at the beginning, 
of this interview, I'm in a very bad mood right now. So maybe I'm, and I tend to use hyperbolic language I constantly. Into a better mood I've softened already. up a lot, but no, but I just mean when I'm like, shoot me in the street <laughs> if you ever see me talking about my work in a serious way. And if I ever fucking talk about my childhood, you know, like that's what I mean. But of course, I feel that strongly because I also have that urge to be taken seriously and I want to um, connect with people in a way that's not just, you know, about. Uh, comedy or something mm. so you know there's all those different that's fair yeah and I think everyone probably feels that way I'm know. taking you serious but I think you're silly too thank you perfect is yeah. that good yeah I want to be taken seriously but um, I just don't want to look like I'm taking being taken myself mm. seriously oh very good that's a smart <laughs> move um, organization you're talking about how oh you're yeah not I'm very very has that always uh, been true oh yeah what, what is that? Just like can't because it looks kind of clean in here right it's, now. I, I I walked in the first thing I thought was I go through cycles. Well, yeah. I, I thought three things. Yeah. One, dog's loud. Yeah. Kind of nice dog. Yeah, she's done now. She's barks at first. There's like a Caperland water bottle over there. Oh yeah, that's from a failed project. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it was a failed project. I just thought <laughs> that was amusing. Yeah, yeah. And three, it's very clean in there. Thank you so much. Yeah, I go through phases where it's like a you mess. You didn't clean it because I was coming over, did you? No, I mean I did pick up just slightly on this table, but it's okay. still kind of covered with stuff. But um, no, what I do is I like to designate a certain pile or a closet, and I right. can just throw everything just in there. That, yeah. But also with like papers or anything, I freeze around anything. I mean, oh yeah, like any like financial stuff or keeping track of things. It's like. I have a pathological almost inability to do that stuff, which I'm trying to change. Then could you have someone help you out with that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm just like not in a place where I can be like, I'm going to hire yeah, someone yeah. to do all this for me. Yeah, but, I don't, but I don't know your finances, but, but, um, yeah, I, understand. but I do. Um, so yeah, that stuff, it's very easy for me to like move the other way and be like, it'll be fine. Like I had a job working for this woman. I was her personal assistant and she was like, Oh, she wanted me to help her with her taxes. And in my head, I was like, oh, no. But I was like, yeah, of course I can do that. And so I would go to work for her every day. And I would, she had me do Quicken, you know, it's like some. Yeah, Quicken loans. And I did yeah, not understand. Yeah. And so, and then I had a file that I would just put receipts <laughs> in that I didn't want to deal with. Or like pieces of paper that would come in the mail. And I'd be like, I don't know what to do about that. So I put it in a file. What happened? And then I just put the file and I just was like, I can't deal with that. And then eventually... And then I moved, and so I didn't have to no. deal, deal with the oh, file anymore. Fucking. But then she hired someone else, and <laughs> or no, I actually gave the job over to John Early for a minute, <laughs> and he was like, she 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 either fired him or something happened where she was like, okay, this is crazy because it was like a revolving door of comedians. Like I got the job through Jacqueline Novak, my friend who's an amazing stand-up, hmm. because this woman was really she's an energy healer, and she's like very just like it's all fine. And she'd be like, you have to do your work. So if I had to leave town for a couple of days to do shows, she was very open to that and she paid well and it was like very cushy and she made mm. me sue. When was this? I guess now, like five years ago, mm. but yeah, but the filing was hell. And then I got an email from her new assistant, like, hi, like what have you done essentially? Cause it was so chaotic. Did you not respond? To the and email? then there were like, and then I know I, I, for, after I left, I was like, Oh no. Cause I had printed out resumes and like headshot, like, like stuff on her computer. And then, so I had all of that on her desktop and, Oh, hi Anita. If you're listening, thank Resume, you for all the support headshot. And then a bunch of like receipts. Yeah. And then like <laughs> quick in like PDF, like how to guide, how to guide that I would the, read and then be like, <laughs> I should water a plant. Yeah. And yeah. 
Oh, well, and so now it's carried over into your own life. Mm-hmm. Is that overwhelming? Yeah, but I mean, it's not that bad. I just have to deal with it. Well, but I think I, not to downplay like your own things going on, but I mean, as someone who's actively, I try to like be organized. I make lists. Yeah. The list. Oh, great list. Yeah. Do mm-hmm. I do everything on the list? Never. Yeah. It's never happened. But I'm a great list maker. Mm-hmm. But keeping organized is like it's a the more your world expands, it's, it's it is a real thing. It's a real. It, it definitely, it definitely is. I feel so proud of myself when I just like mail something. Isn't it the most avoiding. gratifying thing? No, because like just doing it re- alleviates the stress. It like, does. What was it recently? Like yeah, just like those little yeah, what did you things, do? or just like um. Oh, I had to get on the phone with this, like a health insurance thing to get, I'd get migraines. My medication became really expensive, but if I did all this stuff, I could get it for like 20 bucks. And I was like, well, I have to do that. Yeah. And so then I just, um, but you know, it's some kind of thing I just put off for so long and was dreading it and thought it was going to be so much more involved. And then. Because that's the thing where you, you could have paid, you could have just not done it and paid more for the thing. Yeah. But it's like, doesn't make sense to do that. No. You should conserve. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something weirdly gratifying about doing errands though. Oh, absolutely. But that, I hate before is the worst. I never want to, I'm so, it's really frustrating. Yes. And it's weird. Cause when I do it or like, yeah, I'm sure you have this when it's over, you're like, Oh, why don't I always do this? Oh yeah. Why do Every I, time. why do I just live my life in a sort of peaceful, Every time. organized structure? Yeah. I'm going to work on it. We're just not good at changing. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I have this fantasy that it'll change for me because my mom is organized. She has a lot of files, but she also like misses stuff. Like she says things. Where I'm like, that's not true or something. Well, isn't she just becoming an older person? Yeah, probably. But you don't want to give her that out. Yeah, no, I'm not ready. Yeah, okay. but I'm going to get so organized. I'm going to get a filing cabinet <laughs> and I'm going to just really take care of it. I, I we can check back in and and, and see, yeah. Six how months. my organization has improved. Yeah, I believe in you. Yeah. Great. Does the does the lack of organization ever hurt you in like in regards to? Not in anything super significant. I'm trying to think. I feel like there are a couple like funny examples of when I like forgot to like fill out a form <laughs> and then my life was derailed or something. Do you have those? Um. I well. I I feel like I do. Oh, well, this is boring or this isn't that exciting, but I thought I realized I didn't, couldn't find my passport like three days before going on like an international, I was like touring and, um, and I was like, oh my God. And it was really stressful and I was in New York. And so, but it was this amazing moment where I did like the expedited passport form and I was like, this is never going to happen. I'm getting on a plane in three days. I had to show up at like, I mean, it wasn't city hall. What was it? Like some official building at 6 a.m. in winter in New York. And it was this very gratifying process because it worked and I got my passport and I had to wait in lines and fill out all this stuff. But it was kind of this incredible moment of like, oh, like there is some system in place that sometimes is so organized that it can get you a passport in three days Mm. if you have all your forms and you get there at 6 a.m. And and it was a long line, like around the building. See, that's nice idea. That's a nice idea. And it made me feel, yeah, it was good. It made me feel like, Oh yeah. I mean, this was maybe, this was 
over three years ago. But don't you think it's but that so- thinking that led us to electing Trump? Oh, and then I found my passport. I forgot the hook. Oh. That's the big, as I just like you left the kicker lifted up, up a book yeah. and my passport was right there. So you had two passports. Yeah. Well, one of them's no. So it goes. But yeah. Hmm. I have a, a question about 555. Five, five. Oh yeah, please. We can get right into it. Obsession with not nah, maybe not obsession. That's harsh. No, no, that's not harsh. I think it's fair. Mm-hmm. All those episodes. Well, f- four of the ones I want. There's five, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is it called five five five? By the way. Um. Good question. Um. Well, they're sort of different. I mean, one thing is that five 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 is like the fake phone number in all the movies. Mm. I'll just go with that. Five five five. Yeah. There's five of them. It was initially called Trilogy because there were three. Yeah. And they became five. And we're like, Uh-oh. I thought it was going to be five, 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 five. Five, 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 five. Did I miss one? Five? No, you thought, you thought it was going to be five, 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 five. I thought it'd be five, 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 five. Yeah. It's just five, five, five. It's better that way. Cleaner. Yeah. Much cleaner. Sort yeah. Of, sort of like the Facebook, Facebook.com. You cleaned it out. It was yeah. good. So the show, a uh, lot of like Hollywood satire there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what is are you just intrigued by the, the ridiculousness of the city? I mean, yeah. How did it even talk? Because it it's uh you know there are five short films that are loosely connected. They're mm. all based in L.A. and it's just John Early and myself playing different characters. And uh, yeah, visually we wanted to make it just that kind of L.A. like sweaty like sunset kind of mm. um, visuality was exciting to us. Yeah, I mean, Andy DeYoung directed it. Um, There's no passion in what you're saying. Oh my god, really? I'm very, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see how we. I feel great about it, by the way. Yeah, I'm like, I think I just sometimes, and I have to get over this. It's so, and I'm sure you deal with this. It's just so. Sometimes it feels really hard to talk about something you've made. Hundred percent. So that's all it is. It's not a lack of enthusiasm. It's just like. And you asked me, what you asked me is like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yes, we're, they're all these stories kind of in LA, um, mm-hmm. like a stage mom and a, and a, you know, young actor who's never going to make it. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about desiring fame mm-hmm. in, in a joking fashion. Is that something you're fascinated with, like in a day to day life? Maybe. I mean, I think. It wasn't our intention to like add to the canon of like Hollywood's fake, which yeah, is not, not what you're suggesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it was really more just that we wanted to do these different characters and like dress up and just that was really it. And there, I think just whenever you're like this idea, yeah, the, the themes that come up in a Hollywood setting of trying to make it and trying to um, become successful and that just lends itself so easily to comedy because desperation is funny mm. and sad and you can do a lot with those themes. This is not uh this is not a negative comment. Mm-hmm. I'm it scared. I'm like... just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? I said I'm scared, but I'm not. No. Yeah. It it felt like you were making fun of yourself and all your friends. Yeah, yeah, sure. Totally. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And it, and we never I think John, Andy, and myself, like, we never want to be mean. It's never an attempt no, at being sure, like, sure, sure. you're so stupid to be doing what you do because we all fall into that category of that person who's trying to, to you know, make it. So Unkindness doesn't get you anywhere. Right, right. Well, I, 
Wait, unkindness? What'd you say? Yeah, unkindness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, be kind for sure. And so we... I mean, rather, I'll put it, I'll put it this way. Here's my, this is my yeah. theory, is like people who are in positions of power mm-hmm. are often maybe unkind or appear unkind. Mm-hmm. And they can do that only because they have power already. Right, of but course. But like when you're coming up, to be unkind is like, there's no advantage to it. Totally, totally. And we... So I didn't think um, your show was like making fun of... Or like was it searing like... Also, it's so... Yeah, it's like so... It's like, oh, right. It's like the... You're just um, fussing around. I mean... It's exactly. Like, it's yeah. like the thing I did for Netflix of like an art world. Like I do not... I'm not trying to be like, the art world's crazy and <laughs> you better look out because it makes no sense. Like modern art's a joke. Like, dear God, I wasn't... It's like we know, you know, it's mm. these kind of... Um, conclusions we've already all reached a hundred times, but there's still characters there that can, I think be fun to watch the aliens episode. Um, is that that's the funniest one? It's not even close. It's the hands down the funniest one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was dying at the sag. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I can say I too am sag. Uh, is that take from taken from personal experience? Uh, it felt no, like stuff thank you, God. You heard on set. I, well, I just, yeah. just sounded so great. Yeah, yeah, thank you. No, it was all, and we improvised. Like, I want to say, I want to really give you the right answer here. I want to say that seventy-five percent of all of them are improvised. Really? Yeah, we had scripts for all of them. John and I are very similar in being unorganized, and so we would literally. And by the way, like God bless Vimeo. And absolutely, who produced it to, for being so forgiving with us and dealing well, with how they, chaotic we are. What were they forgiving? Well, just like we would, it would be the day before the shoot. We'd be like, yeah, no, we're going to go home after shoot, working for 13 hours and we're going to then get the script to you the night before we shoot. We're going to do some stuff. So we were just, it was crazy. Mm. And we were, so, and John and I, we improvise a lot anyway, so we kind of knew that the best stuff probably would just come out of being there on the day. And, and so, yeah, when we watched it, it was like, wow, this is like pretty much all improvised, mm. like dialogue wise. Like that line is like, yeah. That was improvised? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you went with the bit. They, it was yeah. just like, oh, okay, this works. Yeah. It was, it's good because it's specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you want that. Yeah. Was that nerve wracking though? Like when Vimeo is like, hey, we need, we need the script. They were Vimeo. I can't say enough good things about because they were so, um, like Laura Turner Garrison over there was so cool. And when we pitched it to her, she was just like, "Yeah, totally." Like got it and like completely understood what we were referencing and was just really encouraging and yeah, patient. And same thing with Abso. Mm. Did you ever have any doubts that it wouldn't work out? Of course. Really? Oh wait, you mean like getting it made or just would it not be good? Both. Yes and yes. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I think even now after it's done, you're kind of like, uh-oh. Like, I think that's always what's going to happen. I mean, I think, yeah, it's like weird to be like, I did it. It's done and I love it. It's like, the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. It's like. Well, when you're improving it, does it, does it feel better or funnier in the moment? Than when you see it later? Yeah. I guess sometimes only you have that experience because I mean yeah, people yeah. weren't there to like to watch you improv it right. Um, wait, wait, what? Wait, wait, do you mean when we're shooting? And yeah, improvising? I mean like yeah, like yeah. When you're shooting, do you do you think like 
I'm assuming this happened when you're making it. Like you did something and you were like, this is really, really funny. Right. And then we do it again or whatever. And you watched and you're like, nah, maybe that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I can't think of it, but yeah, I mean, that definitely happens also. Hmm. Well, just cause improv, like, I feel like it's, it, it's easier to kind of gauge expectations when you're writing something mm-hmm. and then it comes out and you're like, well, it's not exactly what's on the page, but it's somewhat like it. Yeah. What happened in improv is like, you just, just like came from you. Yeah. I mean, I think because John and I have such like a shorthand in the way we work together mm-hmm. and we had very clear idea of like who these characters were and what we were kind of chasing. So it was very, um, and whatever we had written was a very useful structure to use. So it was more just not writing dialogue, but okay. Like, yeah, like where does this need to go and what needs to happen? Mm. Do you trust your instincts more, uh, improving than writing comedy? Yes, because that's what I'm used to, but I'm trying to write more. I thought you started writing. In the beginning. You oh, yeah. But I feel like I abandoned that pretty quickly. Mm. I mean, I was writing, writing maybe the first three years I did comedy. Mm. And now you're, you want to go back to it? Uh, yeah. Well, I've always like written. It's always like I'm writing down keywords or phrases or something. Mm. But yeah, I'm trying. To, and just in general, I'm like writing more. So Why do you think that is about improv? Or rather like that you trust your instincts about that more than like sitting down at a desk mm-hmm. and just putting something on paper. I think part of it is laziness on my part oh, in the okay. past. And then it just kind of worked That's an out. an honest answer. Yeah. Um, but then also when you're shooting something, it's v- you can really feel a difference of people that are maybe reciting lines a little bit. You, mm. It's really, um, I think everyone feels it when you can see the words on the page. Yeah. That's the most uncomfortable thing. Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, man. I think they thought that was good, yeah, but we've all I've, yeah. I've written terrible stuff where it's yeah. like, and then it comes up and you're like, oh. Yeah, of course. So clearly, writing is so hard. Why is that? I don't know. Can we figure that out? I know it's so hard. Writing I don't know comedy, how anyone especially. ever does it. What did you say? I don't know how anyone ever does it. Like writes. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like. Do you think comedy writing is harder than dramatic writing? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. So lazy uh, My own laziness Your own laziness Like my own urge to bypass the writing process Took me to improv Yeah In some way But then also I just enjoyed doing it And found that it was More exciting for myself I was just and quoting adjectives you've used To describe oh, yeah. yourself Oh yeah <laughs> Disorganized Yeah Laziness Definitely Sometimes liar Yeah Yeah not malicious. Not malicious. Hey. But just like fun lies. If just like And by the way, that's that's like you know, that really ended in my teens in a big way. Yeah. You've you've grown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've ended youth. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm definitely um oh yeah, I'm at my core a deeply lazy person. Absolutely. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean I'm not trying to be like, I'm so bad. Like obviously yeah, I I I think I also work hard and can work hard or whatever, but I am, um, my default is repose. I would like to, um, lay down. Would you prefer not to do anything? Definitely. It's, it is so easy for me to do absolutely nothing. I'm not one of those people. that's like, here we go. I got to get going. It's very, I mean, my favorite way to live is like bursts of like being very crazy and no sleep or whatever. And then is no sleep always part of it? It seems to always be, or maybe not no sleep because 
I'm also not cool. Like I can't like not sleep and be functioning. Mm. I am. Yeah. I need to sleep. I mentioned that only because, uh, do you not have like a high opinion of yourself? No, definitely not. I, I mean, I like myself. being modest. No, no, no. I think you can be lazy and I can be, I can know that I'm lazy and still, um, like elements about myself. Hmm. Okay, so that's just like a fair assessment. I just think it's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I only mentioned this because I heard the um, Pete Holmes interview you did. Mm-hmm. And you said that you had been going to therapy since a kid. Yeah. Which I I, I was fascinated by. It's like, are, It seems like you've done like a lot of self-interrogation uh-huh. <laughs> since a young kid. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Do you think that's helped? Um, yeah, I love therapy. I'm a huge believer in therapy. Mm. Um, but I also go in and out of therapy. Like I haven't been in a while cause it's just easy to not go mm. sometimes. Cause you'd rather not do it. Yeah. Cause you have to drive and then it costs money. And so it's really easy to be like, well, I don't need to right now. So right now I'm more on like an as need to go basis, but I would love to be back in a phase where I'm going once a week, regardless of anything. Mm. Do you feel good about moving forward? And I know you hate talking about your career. No, no, no. And I'm not trying to be like, uh, of course I love talking about it. I mean, it's like sure, sure. what well, I'm thinking I, about all the time. Yeah. Is it tr- the constant thought? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I definitely am always thinking about myself. It's disgusting, but it's just true. Does it bother you that you do that? Yes. But I don't think I'm, I think I'm a good friend and that I help people in my life. Yeah. Those things can... Yeah. Be true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you're hard on yourself on this, on this, like, thinking about your career and yourself. Yeah, maybe I'm not hard on thinking about thinking about it, but talking about it definitely makes me uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not in a way where I'm like, move on. I'm just saying that there's, because there's, it's very hard to talk about in a way that doesn't make you seem like such an asshole. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, like, so aware of that, I think. And yeah. I think that's 100% true. Yeah. Totally fair. So it's, yeah. All right, let's talk about one last thing that's not about your career. Cool. What career? No, I'm just kidding. Continue. I don't know. Do you have, <laughs> do you, are you still working? Are you still? <laughs> Apparently not, but uh, yeah. Okay, well, sorry. That's rough. <laughs> it's over. It's over. Um, no, what's up? Career aside, mm-hmm. what's something or what's an idea or thought or sort of guiding principle that you want to try to live by in the next 12 months? Hmm, that's saying that's not pertaining to a career. Not like I'm going to be more organized and I'm going to get my career. Right, like, right, not, right. Not, not I'm going to get this show. Mm-hmm. All those things, that's great. But I, I mean more like when you wake up in the morning and you gauge like how you're feeling. What's something, I don't know, what's something you you want? Well, I think there's like a few things, obviously, as we've established, like in this political climate, it's like really important to step outside what you're used to and become involved and help the vulnerable. Um, so so that, you're going to dedicate more time to stuff? Like yeah, that? yeah, definitely. I would say that's a huge part of it. And, you know, just going outdoors and just being outside more and not being on my phone. <laughs> so kind of, you know, activism plus logging off. Mm. But then you have to log in because you have to know where to meet up and you have to, um, you know, share donation links. But... You can also, um, you know, just spend more time in the sun and stuff. I think it's fitting that we're ending on you being both sarcastic and serious. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, I, I mean it. 
I mean what I say. Uh, thank you for coming on, Caper. Thank you for having me. Sorry I was a little bitter up top, but it's just a hard time. Are you feeling better now? Yeah, I do feel better. I'm so easily, it's like, talking makes me feel better. It's, you know, it's <laughs> pathetic, but true. Special thanks this week to Caitlin Hughes and Vimeo. Speaking of which, you can watch Kate's Vimeo original series, 555, starting today, January 31st. We'll include a link of where you can check it out in the show notes. Also, in conjunction with 555's release, Kate and co-star John Early are currently doing live performances across the East Coast. They'll be in New York City at Joe's Pub from January 31st through February 3rd, then Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and so on after that. I've seen the two perform live in the past, and it's a show really worth checking out if you can. If you enjoyed today's episode with Kate, you may enjoy our past conversations with folks like Lauren Lapkus, Ben Schwartz, Mac DeMarco, and Reggie Watts. Also, in the unofficial second season of the podcast and in the new year, we're trying to have more folks review the show on iTunes or just sharing it with a friend. Even a one-sentence review like, this wasn't the worst hour spent of my life, would really help new listeners find the show. You can subscribe to the program on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. And feel free to reach out to the show at talkeasypod at gmail.com. For those on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at talkeasypod, as well as our website, www.talkeasypod.com. Our music this week is by Jin Sang. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna Shinoi. Social media by Maria Mayella. Associate producer is Valerie Ettenhofer. And the show is produced by Nora Knight. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. Next week on the show is Annie Greenwald. I'll see you then. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. 
Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.